The Healing Lives Center is a center for sex, trauma, and marriage education and transformation and has the critical mission to strengthen that which God created and values, marriages and the nuclear family. Dr. Gilbert, your host, aims to provide important teaching on tough topics, great interviews and conversations, and tools just for you, all emphasizing a biblical worldview. Join us now with today's feature. Welcome to the Family Features Podcast. My name is Dr. Corey Gilbert, and today I have the honor to interview and have a great conversation with Dr. Bill Senyard. So thank you so much for coming on. It's a pleasure to be here. Awesome. We have a very important topic for us today. Parents, and you need to listen up. Moms and dads, this is for you about your teenager. Yikes. <laughs> um, tell yep. us about how you got your passion and your journey and just kind of like where we're going to focus today. Yeah, it's kind of a roundabout way. I've, I've been a pastor for 25 years. I'm now doing this not for profit. We were actually contacted by a local school system, um, or, or actually we contacted them to help them. Uh, the trouble with the local county school system, and in Colorado, I think, let me read you some of the statistics. This is this is kind of the scary. Colorado high school students are 62% more likely to commit suicide in 2020 than in 2010. Oh, it is it's ramping up only Arizona's higher Ooh. and uh, talking to teachers, talking to principals, uh, they're seeing an increase in violence. They're seeing an increase in drug use and cutting all of those things. And some of it you can say was covid, but it was it was ramping up even before that. Right. And so we have approached them with a secular version of uh, of this for for frustrated parents of teens and tweens it's it's a combination of uh, uh attachment theory which i'm a big fan of oh, and uh and neuroscience but while we were doing that i also did one for christians and uh so it, it layers on top of that the gospel and it's like it's a really good fit and it's called good enough parent which and, and the idea and, is that well it's going to go there go we're going to talk about that later too but um, goodenoughparent.online, goodenoughparent.online is the yeah. website for a free course that you put yeah. together and, and it's been totally funded, funded. to get out there for free. Why? Because we are in a crisis when it comes to our exactly. teenagers and our 20 somethings. Exactly. And, and most teen, I mean, we don't parents, we don't, we don't have really good courses on neuroscience and wow. attachment theory. And so we're raising our kids like we were raised and, yep. you know, it's just not working. Uh, and it's working. It never does, but it's not working. It's working worse than it used to. And well, we're losing let's kids. talk about that. So that, that's so true. We tend to raise our kids based on how we were raised or a rejection yeah. to how we were raised. One of the two extremes. Yeah. So what have you learned in your research that really could help us as parents of teenagers? You know, there's a couple of things. One, there's two questions, according to attachment theory, that our brains are asking, and particularly when we hit adolescence. Uh, and and if, if parents understood these two questions and entered into them, I mean, it's really simple. By the way, it's the same questions. I, I did a lecture on attachment theory for adult couples at the National Association of Christian Social Workers. It's the same two questions okay. for adults and couples. So when I do uh, marriage counseling, I hit these two questions and here they are. The first and the subconscious largely is, is, is there anyone there for me? Okay. 
Uh, do I have anybody who's got my back when I mess up, when I fall on my face, when I have a bad day, yeah. when I when my girlfriend or boyfriend drop me or what, whatever it might be? Do right. I have somebody who's got my back? And the second one, it's even more poignant is, am I actually lovable? Ooh. Do I have a shot at being loved as I am? And so in the in the adolescent years with all the chemicals popping and the higher risk taking the, the proneness to addiction those two questions are driving behavior subconsciously so if parents could become that trusted adult uh, yeah. even a little bit more where their their teen in their context and their family and in their uh, social milieu if if they could be the ones that, that say, yes, I, I'm the person who has your back. And yeah, and I am your biggest fan. I love you no matter what you say. E even if you storm out of the of, of your room when we ask you to eat the peas, I, you're, you're not going to change the fact that, uh, that I love you and you're my son, you're my daughter. Mm -hmm. And if we can do that a little bit more, we can become more good enough parents. It's it's actually makes a lot of sense when you when you consider it. I guess so then practically, how... How do we manage that teenager who's rebelling or that teenager who actually thinks they know it all? The teenager who, I mean, this yeah. subject is stupid. Why am I doing this dumb subject in school? And this, this assignment, yeah. everything is stupid. Like, yeah, so many. It's like well, and, 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 yeah, and that's the and that's the uh, that's the good enough parent as we try to give people tips to do that. Mm -hmm. um, but but here's the thing is another one of one of the big tips is stop being rational with your kid. Uh, <laughs> adolescents, they overreact. Their prefrontal cortex, you know this, your prefrontal yep. cortex isn't developed. They are not thinking long term. They're not thinking reasonably. Did you just say stop uh, being rational with your kids. I like that. Yes. Stop being yeah, rational. Yeah, but, <laughs> One of the biggest failures, and when you try, it just it just causes them to react even more. Do not reason because, with your children. So, <laughs> not until they become twenty-one for girls and twenty-six for boys. Ooh. So then, what's the alternative? I mean, I'm not supposed to reason with them. I'm supposed to what? Yeah, those two questions. Those answer those two questions. And if you okay. if we did it regularly on a regular basis, then they would pop off less. Ooh. Yeah, and those and two so questions. So the idea what are, is, it, what are the two questions again? Uh, is there anybody who has my back, and am I lovable? Anybody that has so, my back. So here, I'll give you an lovable. example, and okay. and I have permission for my son to to tell this story. <laughs> uh, we sent him to Peru as part of a Rotary, uh, uh, you know, uh, leadership. What is it? A, a time I forget what it's called, but it's a year long thing, and oh, and you nice. and he lives with a host family, and you you know the the, the nice. whole thing. Well, we were called about three or four months in to come pick up our child. Ooh. And uh, he had offended his host family. He had been drinking. He had been partying. He had been doing what, you know, you, you just never hope pastor's kids do. Oh, yeah. And uh, we were invited. My wife and I were invited to come get him. So we went down to Peru and uh, basically we were uh attacked we were taken from the airport to this meeting with about 12 men and women business people community leaders and his host families and one by one they told us just how how bad our son was mm. and 
And I'm so I'm as a pastor, there's a there was a new it was another level of that is like, oh my gosh, it's the gospel that's being affected. And but really it was me and my reputation. (laughs) And so I was feeling shame, I was feeling anger, I was feeling all these things and surprise because my son was a good kid, Mm. you know. So I stopped the meeting, I said, time out. Uh, I was in business before I know how to stop meetings and look, I got to go talk to my son. So he and I went out to this, uh, out out of the back door. That's kind of symbolic. We snuck out a back door (laughs) and, and uh, we were walking by the side of this little river. And uh, I was, my, my goal was to, to, to rip his head off. I mean, I was so angry. I was so hurt and I felt like a bad father. I felt like a bad pastor. I felt like a bad person. And the Holy Spirit grabbed me. And what came out of my mouth, this is, uh, it still surprises me today. I I said things like, uh, you know, I don't know how much of that is true. And I just want to let you know that, that no matter what's true, I love you. I love you so, so, so much right now. I am your biggest fan. I would buy stock in you. You will change the world someday and we'll make it through this. And I'm going to be by your side. And I'm crying and he's crying. We're hugging each other. And we go back into that meeting. And uh, he says today, he's in his 30s now. He says today that was one of the life-changing moments for him. He, He knew it. But there's something about that, that critical inner voice that needs to hear it all the time. Yeah. And uh, so part of what I've been learning and and helping uh, parents of teenagers do is instead of waiting for that blow up, which is going to happen because their brain and chemicals is just going to happen, is before that, make sure every day you, you tell your child that you're their biggest fan. In your language, in your child's language, in your culture, I've got your back. I'd buy, I'd buy stock in you. There's nothing that you can do that would ever separate you from my love. I'm, I may disagree. I may be hurt by what you say and do. I probably will. Chances are. But I just want you to know that I'm not going anywhere. I've got your back. And in my eyes, I you're, you are so lovable. Now, you can't say that all the time, but if we said that more and more often, right? Um, what what we're finding with attachment theory is that there would be less reason for them to pop off as much. They're right. still going to happen. There's still room for discipline, and discipline looks differently. It's it's what you just did hurt me. What you just did, I disagree with. I think it was a bad decision. But let me tell you again, just so you remember, I'm your biggest fan, and I am not going anywhere. We'll work through this. It just seems reasonable, doesn't it? Mm-hmm, it does. Well, the question that comes up for me is when you say I'm your biggest fan, but then the next thing out of your mouth is, but, and then I rip into you, which one do they hear and which one do they not hear? Yeah. Well, it depends if you've been laying the foundation. I mean, That's right. if, I like that. If, yeah. if, if they have been hearing this over and over and it's been sinking in a little bit more, uh, so, so the way I put it is, you know, if, if this is if this is their overreaction, I'm holding my hands up about a, a foot apart. Uh, the next time it's going to be 11 inches apart. They're still going to explode. There's still mm-hmm. going to be disagreements. There's still going to be fights. They're, they'll still hurt. They'll mm-hmm. still be addiction prone. All of those things. They'll still yeah. embarrass parents. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, but I think that's the idea. Though, I think it's important, though, to be careful because I think the habits I see from myself, but also other parents is yeah. we might start saying these words and, and 
they don't hear them because we follow it up with just more criticism and more mm. disappointment. And that there mm. almost needs to be a separation in the, almost like two different events where you have that time where I'm going to pour on you even daily. Mm. I love you. I'm your biggest fan and a separate event. So an hour later or some other time, we need yeah. to talk about what you did. We need to talk about the consequences yeah. of your, your actions Yeah, because of the way our like brain it. Our, our brain processes when we pair like it together, it. there's a problem. Yeah. yeah. When, when we go into the fight, flight and fear cycle, I mean, the, uh, uh, free cycle, that cortisol that's in there and it takes three to five hours to, to bleed out of our system. So, that's I mean, I do point. like the, I mean, forget counting to 10, we actually need a couple hours to, before mm -hmm. we can actually begin to process it and our child can process it. So, their, their amygdala is fully functioning by the time they hit adolescence. Their prefrontal cortex, not so much. Right. And that means that they can actually react and they can process, but they actually don't have that governing, which is the prefrontal cortex, that ability to yeah, The cooperator is not there. Mm -hmm. and so that's important they don't have the, they really don't have the ability to to weigh long-term consequences mm -hmm. to, to to weigh risk they they just don't and so for parents of teens it's probably a good idea for them to know that yeah. uh, in, in attachment theory they talk about emotional regulation infants don't have the the ability to emotionally regulate so then there needs to be a parent a guardian who actually is their emotional regulator it's actually the same thing for teens. Mm -hmm. uh, in, in many ways, they're still looking for help emotionally regulating. Yes. And that's the role of a parent or a trusted adult or guardian, whatever you might So that be. means if I yell at my baby for crying, that doesn't help? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. And by the way, that's the good enough parent. Uh, this is an attachment theory kind of concept is, is if parents of... Uh, infants, right, zero to two, or actually third trimester to two years old, mm -hmm. if they could actually attune with their child, you know, the attunement where you hold up the baby and go goo, 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 and there's this connection, there's a mirroring of neurons, there's uh, oxytocin and dopamine hits for the mom in particular. And if you can do that three out of 10 interactions, the child will enter into the next stage more secure. Mm -hmm. Three out of 10. Bingo. That's doable. That is. I mean, and that doesn't, it doesn't mean... The dad too. The dad is so Thank crucial you. in that too. Like Thank not you. just mom. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But you're so, right. So for parents of teens, we're not talking about 10 times out of 10. I don't, I mean, only God is the, the perfect parent. <laughs> and uh, I've certain, I certainly was. And my kids still laugh at some of the things I did and said, and, and I get it. And I'm beginning yeah. to laugh too a little bit. Um, yeah. But, uh, uh, but if we can do three out of 10 and so, Practical. If if the if your teen blows up and says, "I'm not going to eat my peas," or "Why can't I uh, do the night over at Bob's house or Mary's house or whatever it might be," um, and and they blow up, okay, that's one bad interaction. Maybe maybe you re react poorly. I would. I mean, that's my initial reaction. Is I still have cortisol and say stupid things and offensive things and wait, I'm the father. You do what I say <laughs> to do. Well, that's one interaction. Mm -hmm. So if I can intentionally follow that up, mm -hmm. you see, with a couple of uh, adolescent attunement yeah. uh, moments, yeah. and um, it, it really would serve it, serve it well. And the goal, ultimate goal that I sort of have jokingly is, is, is you, you, you're not looking for uh, an end of conflict with your teenager. You're hoping to invest 
and having a best friend by the time they're 30. I like that. That's really, that's a good goal. A best friend or a good relationship by the time they're 30. That's a great goal. Yeah. Yeah. And a doable goal. And mm -hmm. a doable goal. Yeah. But it's doable when we, and I like the, even the term of your, your course you created, the good enough parenting. The goal is not perfection. It's, that's impossible. No. We're not it's Christ. Impossible. The goal is and to they're be not reasonable. reachable. Yeah, not reachable. They're not reasonable. They're, they're going to be reacting with emotions. And we have to be able to take that kind of flack. And we're not used to it. Yeah. Um, I mean, the same thing with marriage counseling. We're just not used to flack coming from somebody that uh, they're supposed to love me, right? Yeah. Um, it's amazing how many but, couples really don't honestly feel like they their spouse loves them. Right. You know, we're we're in survival mode. So many even today, we're just right. in try to make make ends meet mode. Or right. how do I do I put gas in the car? Or I do I eat? Almost questions mm. for some families, which is stress is high. Stress. Yeah. Oh yeah. And the teenager's if, world is different because yeah. their world is much smaller in some sense, but it's still the same kind of pressure. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, and and the teenagers need um, a trusted adult. And by yeah. trusted, not the typical secular definition. It's basically somebody who has their back, yeah. someone who they feel actually uh, sees them as as someone who is who is lovable. So who else um, can be that? Who else could fill that position? Obviously, mom and dad is God's design in terms of uh, of that, yeah. but not everyone has that. They don't have a mom and dad that yeah. truly either can or will do that. So who else yeah. can fill that role? Wow, yeah, that's that's a real life situation. I'm glad you brought it up. I mean that that's this the uh, the the. The classic sec, uh, trusted adult. And yep. of course, that could be a teacher, could be a youth pastor, could mm -hmm. be a coach. It, but unfortunately, it ends up being uh, gangs or it ends up being uh, a, a, a friend who may or may not be a very good friend. Yeah. Uh, it might be social media. It might be a website. It might be TikTok. I mean, all of those things can provide that hit of somebody's got my back, even though you and I would go, um, do they really? But that's being reasonable, right? So that's the important role of a of a parent or caregiver or guardian. And you know, we need to teach we need to teach skills. We need to teach people ways to do this. And uh, we need to give permission for parents to go ahead and and be human. You're going to blow up, yeah. but when you blow up, then the next two or three interactions, please go and tell your 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 child that you've got their back yeah. and I and was hurt. I did this. I apologize. I think like yeah. that's the message. We're going to make mistakes in terms of even just our yeah. reactions. We're, we're human. Well, I think one of the best gifts we can give our children is when I can, when I can say I blew it there and I'm sorry, please forgive me. Oh my we're goodness. Not, we're not totally. showing perfection. We're showing teachability. Oh my gosh, Tony, let me give you another story. This is again, I have permission from my kids. Why do I always use me for bad examples? <laughs> but uh, um, uh, my my wife, my kids were fairly young, my two oldest, uh, so say eight, nine, six, something like that. And uh, my wife and I were discussing something. They had already gone to bed and we were discussing, if you know what I mean. Uh, and uh, apparently pretty loud because they were they came to the door and tapped on the bedroom door and, and I opened the door and I was still angry for what you know my, whatever my wife said she was the problem here clearly <laughs> and uh, 
And I opened the door and the look on my face scared my kids. And they looked at me and they went, sorry. And they went back to bed. And I thought, man, I have got this parenting thing down. Finally, they're oh, listening no. to me. See, that's how bad I was. Yeah. And uh, anyway, I drove them to school the next day and they didn't say a thing. And I thought, it's a win. You know, no bickering in the back seat. And But there was a second day I drove them to school and I look back there and, and I realized my kids were quiet again and that my kids were never quiet. They were right. always Something's bickering wrong. and, and doing wrong. Things. And I was deeply convicted that that's my fault. I stopped the car. I pulled off on the side of the road and in tears, I, I leaned back into the in the back seat and I said, please tell me the other night. When I came to the door, can you tell me what you felt? And it was fear. It oh, was no. my rage, my anger. And I'm crying and they're crying. And I'm going, oh, my gosh, that's on me. I want to tell you how much I love you. Uh, please. I hope I never, ever, ever do that again. It was not your fault. Yeah. It's my fault. And that we cried and cried and cried and cried. And again, they say now that was one of the the teachable moments, one of the Restoration. few Restoration. That, that actually made a difference for them. Yeah. And we need more of those, actually. Ugh. Ironically, it's hard. If, if you don't have any of those, you also learn something. Yeah. You learn that actually conflict yeah. is bad and, and to disagree is bad. And mm. so mm. we need those moments of actual struggle and restoration, yeah. struggle and restoration. Yeah. The other thing, the other uh, thing that that plays in here is is the parents' relationship with God, and and mm -hmm. of course in the secular version they were offering to the school system. We don't we don't bring that up, but for the spiritual version, the good enough parent that's online, we actually suggest that the very first tip is that good enough parents understand the gospel better than the not good enough parents. We're having a little yeah. fun with that, and so we actually give parents a prayer. Let, let me just read this to sure. you, because yeah. what we want them to do is to say this twice a day so that they they kind of get locked into, into the spirit. So here we go. Jesus follower, parent, guardian, strictly because of what Jesus did for you 2,000 years ago, God actually loves you. He loves you with all of his heart, as much as the father loves the son and the son loves the father. He can't love you any more or any less than he does right now, whether you think you've been a good enough parent or not. He loves you as you are, not as you should be or could be. You can't add to this love or take away from it. Now, I get it. It often feels like you've messed it up or need to do something so that God would like you better, but not so. How do you experience it more now? Simple. Good news. There is something that you can do and are invited to do. You can take daily baby steps to ask the spirit inside of you to make you know, experience, and feel just how much God loves you right now. Just ask. Ask again later today. Ask tomorrow and make it a spiritual habit. And we we beg people just jokingly to say it twice a day. But certainly when they've had a bad interaction with their teen and they're feeling like, yeah. is there anybody out there who's got my back and am I lovable? And the only real relationship where we can answer yes to those two things 100% of the time is our relationship with God. But we don't feel that 100% of the time. And that's the thing is the feel it. We, ba mm -hmm. we base everything off that feeling, which is actually very, uh, I call yep. it bad data. It's untrustworthy information. Yep. It it's is. important information. Yet, it tells us something that's yep. off. But it's, yep. yeah. One of the things I'm learning with neuroscience, and the, particularly the latest neuroscience, we're more, we're more and more understanding the midbrain 
quite mm-hmm. quite a bit. Mm-hmm. We're learning just how how uh, uh, how uh, impotent our prefrontal cortex is. It has it has access to very few brain chemicals. On the other hand, my amygdala, my uh, uh, so many other areas of my midbrain have these very, very powerful brain chemicals that that affect my emotions. So if I try to fix the problem with my prefrontal cortex, try to reason through all of these things too terribly much, it's the proverbial bringing a knife to a gunfight. Oh, interesting. Very interesting. And we need to do both. In scripture, yeah, we need both. That's true. And scripture talks about taking every thought captive, which we can focus in on. But what you're actually saying is there's, there's multiple layers there from just the cognitive... Um, I feel like what we've done in the Christian world, too, is we've gone CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, has seeped into the yep. church. We'll, we'll yep. help people think their way out of a problem and we'll help people behave their way out of a problem. But right. we don't transformed. We aren't actually changed. Yeah. Yeah. We so what we're thing. learning, what I'm learning at Gospel App is we need to we need to start leaning into in addition to prefrontal cortex. I'm a teacher. I love teaching. I love reason. I love all those things. Yep. Uh, but we have we also have to learn how to deal with addictions, which is midbrain. We have to deal with uh, fear reactions, which is midbrain largely. Mm-hmm. These are the things that are tearing up families and tearing up communities. Yeah. And uh, you can't you just we've learned that you just can't. I work with a lot of addicts. You just can't tell an addict to stop. Stop drinking, for instance, because there's something in their brain that says, yeah, I know I should, but I can't. I won't. It, yeah. yeah. I need the dopamine. So so how do we how do we teach ourselves to and I, I work with pastors on this. The uh, you, you really can't work on addictions uh, on, a, on a week doing a sermon once a week. It has to be a drip, 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 drip that gets down into, into my uh, into my midbrain. So it's these prayers that you say twice a day. It's the it's the interaction with with your child where you say three times out of ten, I've got your back. I'd buy I'd buy stock in you. And it's just drip, drip, drip over a period of time. So instead of uh, teaching people to choose to be happy or choose to not be addict, we're basically creating a new habit that's actually positive. And the Holy Spirit has that kind of power. I'm a big fan of Ephesians 3, 14 to 21, where Paul is praying for the Ephesians. And he says, I'm praying that you would be able to access power from God through the Holy Spirit in your inner being, wherever that is, that's over my head, in order that, and he lists three things. The second one is that you may be able to grasp the height and width and length and depth of the love of Christ. Mm-hmm. That's that's experience. That's more than feeling. It's also prefrontal cortex, but it's but it's so much more. Right. And there's power there. Three times in that passage, he talks about power. Um, I need I need power to to be able to experience the love of Christ. Apparently, which is again, it's a head trip. Yeah, and I think I think about our teenagers. I have two currently, and then one that's about to be. Yeah, so I'll have three here soon. Between. God yeah. bless you, brother. <laughs> and th- even when they were younger, I remember even saying to them, you know what? These teen years don't have to be a nightmare like yeah. for a lot of people they are. But I will be honored to make your life miserable. <laughs> 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 but that's a great that's a great line. Buts, but I'm your biggest fan. I want you there to you succeed. But there then I actually realized kind of like you've you've confessed about some of your experiences i realized through our conversations with our oldest team that 
you know, there's times where he doesn't believe those things because I have done more criticism right. or punishing or discipline and not validating yeah. that I am your biggest fan. That's right. And so That's we, right. the message for us parents listening that we need to, to kind of check ourselves and think about where have we done well? Great. Yeah. Where have we yeah. actually failed? That's where the, the good enough parent dot online, which is the free access to this course yeah. is really really critical let me let me brag about the course the uh sure. one, one of the i'm a i'm a engineer scientist um so i uh in addition to just the 15 tips which people get once a day for 15 days just short tips 10 minutes mm -hmm. we actually do a before and after survey mm -hmm. so they can see where there's been movement it's very mm -hmm. encouraging i find nice. and uh based upon as of june 2nd of, of this year the people who've been through it uh uh 18% increase in under, in their child's spiritual formation. They actually feel like doing right. these tips makes their child a little bit more in love with God. Love it. 19% their own spiritual formation because it, it reminds them of the gospel, the, the prayer that I read. 46% uh, increase in understanding what's going on in their child's brain. I mean, it really is a mini course on neuroscience and the attachment theory. Love it. And the big one is 21% increase in feeling like they're good enough parents. Good. That's a win. Yeah. I mean, that's not 100%, but we, I don't believe you can get there this side of heaven. Right, 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 right. And that's where so, that's that's what I love this about this course you've created and, yep. and you've made it free. What are some of the other resources that you put together um, in your in your ministry right now, the Gospel App? We have two other online uh, programs. My first one, which was my doctoral thesis, was on biblical forgiving, uh, how mm. to forgive. I think we've messed that up. Uh, you mentioned cognitive behavioral therapy, particularly in the forgiving area back in the mid 80s. We shifted it to um, separating the the victim from uh, from the situation and encouraging the victim to give up their right to justice, their right to an apology, all of those things that are just not human. So what we what we're doing in it's called the forgiving path, the forgivingpath.com is to reteach people how biblically they can forgive. Uh, mm -hmm. Amazing results. Over a thousand people have been through it in, in four different continents. Nice. Uh, 21% of people who go through it, uh, uh, they've seen a 21% decrease in revenge, desire for revenge. Ooh, 78% increase in an experience of justice. We actually give people a trial before God uh, using the gospel. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's a very powerful thing. We've had uh, rape victims go through it, attempted murder victims. We've, we've had, uh, oh my gosh, there was one lady whose whose father emotionally abused her uh, he he was a well-known evangelist if i told you his, his name you would you would recognize him uh and she went through it four times in one week it, it takes about two hours to go through and each time the numbers got better and better and, nice. and better uh, nice. i mean she still needs counseling but she's uh she's doing much better the so other one is called the dance it's for christians who feel like they've They've disappointed God. They've uh, mm. somehow screwed up. Uh, apparently, three quarters of Christians, when honest, according to a survey, would say when they when they see God face to face or when they think about seeing God face to face, they're afraid that he'll be disgusted with them or oh. he'll turn and walk away. That's heartbreaking. Uh, so we're doing something wrong because their prefrontal cortex, again, knows that's not the gospel. Uh, and yet that's what they're feeling. That's what they're, that's what they're imagining. So what we did is we borrowed 
uh, the theology of uh, fourth century early Greek fathers who uh, had this notion of the Trinity. They, they called it a, a, a perichoresis or a dance around. So this father, son, and spirit and this holy gigantic dance where they're circling around and laughing and, and everybody's honorable. And at a certain point in time, the, the circle opens up and they reach down and they grab you, they grab me. And they bring us into the circle and we're part of the dance. But then we stop hearing the music after we screw up. So, so the idea and the dance over the two-year period, a two-two sorry two-hour period against seven stations, teaching stations, is we remind people of the simple and cluttered gospel, and we're seeing great results with that. Love anyway, it. we're having fun with the online teaching. I love it. That's so great. I love what you do. Parents could benefit from that. Good. Yeah, and those those have a little bit of a cost to them, and the the good enough parent one is a free one right now. Uh, yeah, so the other two I think are twenty nine dollars, something like that. Yeah, we wonderful. We wanted to make them a fraction of a counseling visit. We figured that was a, <laughs> a, a, a nice, good bargain. Nice, nice. Yeah, and and I think of the people listening, and I think of the the places that many of them are at. Many it's struggling in their marriage, but so yeah. much plays out with how they love and lead their kids, even their adult children, their adult children who are still struggling. And they haven't been able to move into that friendship space. It's more still parenting or they're over-parenting still their adult children. And that's where the attachment theory stuff and the neuroscience and the stuff you put in there is valuable. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, when parents go through the good enough parent, one of the things we do is we help them identify which quadrant in the attachment theory they're part of. So whether they're avoidant or secure or anxious or fearful and, and couples can benefit from this uh, if they can identify where they are and, and they can hear from their partner where they are. Maybe some of the bickering and uh, intransigent stuff can be identified because if you have someone who's anxious and I won't go into all the details, married to someone who is avoidant, which actually is is the, is the plot of every rom-com that Hollywood has ever created. Uh, there's typical predictable interactions where you're driving each other crazy and if in counseling if you knew that and and cared enough to to embrace that uh you could start laughing a little bit yep so true and that's what's fun about research and again the the science side where it does inform and i believe all good research backs up the bible oh yeah and so yeah we will we need to use the we shouldn't be afraid of science oh my gosh totally yeah, totally. I'm totally, totally agree. I'm, I'm stunned at how much recent neuroscience and attachment theory in particular yep. looks like the gospel. That's neat. And our goal with this and the goal that it sounds like you have with that, with, with all of this is that our, who we are as Christ followers exudes out of us as a mom and mm-hmm. a mom and a dad, we are not there to just punish our kids and make their lives miserable in the end. The goal is to grow them up, to mature them. What Barna talks about of raising children, not that will just launch or that will just go to college or get married or have a good job, but that they will actually be champions for Christ. And I feel like what I hear from parents, that's not the goal. The goal is just survival. The goal is to get them out. The goal is to get them married off. And it's like, no, their heart, who they worship is what matters. If they worship themselves, we got a problem. When we have a problem yeah. in our world, the stats you mentioned yeah. in the beginning, though, the stats about cutting and suicide and addictions, mm-hmm. and you mentioned so that was Colorado, Violence. right? 
That was Colorado. Well, actually, it's it's uh, throughout the country. Throughout yeah, the country, okay. Uh, but Colorado has just ramped up. Okay. Um, let's see. Uh, children five to seventeen, self injury and suicide cases are up forty five percent since uh, between twenty nineteen and twenty twenty one. See that more than that half right there. high school hmm. students. Yeah, it's, it's frightening. Um, let's see. Um, three out of two out of three teachers, principals, and district leaders say that students are misbehaving more now than they did. Mm -hmm. Before the pandemic, including threats of violence. Yeah. Um, here's uh, here's Barna. Uh, Seventy-three percent of, of Christian parents are concerned about their children's spiritual development. That's up from sixty-five or something like that. And that uh, and that yeah, right there is spiritual development crisis. Yeah, the spiritual development. So I'm yeah. I'm raising my kids, and my kids go to school or or whatever they're doing with school, and yep. then they walk into church once a week. And they have their hour um, shot in the arm of church. Our kids will not have a relationship with God if that's all they have. Yeah. yeah. They need oh, more yeah. than that. We're losing the battle. Dad. Yeah, we need to be in well, and there we go. development. Well, and a particular kind of spiritual development. Okay, mm -hmm. there's there's different theology at play here. So if I'm raising my kid in order to be righteous, and the implication is that if they're righteous enough, then God will like them more. Uh, oh. They're going to grow up to be works oriented, and they're going to fail because they just will. We yeah. all have. On the other hand, if I'm if I'm feeling the if I'm a parent and I'm feeling the love of God that I mentioned in the prayer, mm -hmm. if I'm really feeling love of God for me right now as I am the sinner still because yeah. that's God loves sinners that's all there are, and if I'm if I'm creating that uh, that conversation with my child and I'm modeling mm -hmm. that. I'm loving you, a sinner. I'm loving you. We disagree on some things, but I've got your back. We're modeling a different gospel, a gospel that because of what Jesus did for me 2,000 years ago, God actually loves me. He can't, in a sense, uh, in a sense, a human sense, he cannot not love me. Right. Yeah. Uh, that's a whole different gospel. And and I would tell you, uh, you know, I've, I've, I, do, I do church revitalization as well for multiple different denominations. We in the United States, we have really uh, shifted, devolved into works righteousness, and it, it sounds so good, but there's a lot of people leaving church because uh, millennials. One of the main reasons millennials left churches, uh, and over two thirds have, is because when they go to church, they feel shamed. They feel like God doesn't love them, and that's the message they're getting from the pulpit. Well, that's not the gospel. Yeah. And that's where uh, there's other churches too. And I, our pastor mentioned this recently that when he first started pastoring um, over 30 some years ago, that we were heavy on the um, uh, truth. And yep. now we are so heavy on grace that we've lost truth and that it's grace and truth. And so being able to, to really balance those is actually a juggling, yeah. juggling act in some sense. So we need teaching on both. Yeah. And yeah, a lot of, we do, lot we, of yeah, they're both true. Yeah, a lot of denominations are heavy on one or the other. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um mm -hmm. during different periods of time. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's right. I just finished a Bible study, it's a workbook, and you can get it Amazon or right now media, the video, but it's on the Sermon on the Mount. And it's called Jesus Said What with a question mark. And it's fascinating to me when Jesus appeared, his first act of ministry, uh 
public ministry was to to go to this hillside of broken people. These were rejects. These were Jews and Gentiles. They were demon-possessed. They were broken. They would have been considered unclean by God. Many of them could not go into the temple. Uh, think prostitutes. Think tax collectors like Matthew. Uh, uh, and he says to them, the very first beatitude says, uh, enviable now, that's a better translation, enviable or the formerly unenviable. And he says, because the kingdom of heaven is yours. Basically, he is saying, you, I am giving you the exact same promise that I gave Abraham 2,000 years ago. Well, that's crazy. <laughs> this this is an expression of the love of God, to, uh, incongruous love of God that they did not deserve or earn. And this group wasn't looking for, they didn't expect, they weren't going to the temple. They weren't righteous. They weren't tithing. They weren't, right? They were basically surviving. And Jesus looked at them and said, I love you. And somehow they saw it in his eyes because Matthew says they followed him, which yeah. a group like this would never have done. They would have been right. way too cynical, right? If it's too good. Right. So something happened and this bonding happened between God and and the most unlikely people. But that's my story, you know, and that's that's your story uh, from a heavenly perspective. I, I don't know if that gospel is getting out as clear as it could, right? Uh, because we do have two thirds of uh, the millennial, uh, so thirty percent of the population in the United States, two thirds of them have left church because they feel shamed. Yeah, we've got a lot of work to do. So, oh, wrong. So, yeah, a lot. Wrong. Yeah, and I, and I work in higher education. I work in, in university, and mm. um, what we're seeing you in higher education is actually more and more coming in that don't know any. They don't know the Bible at all. They know very little wow. about Scripture. Um, they have a less than Sunday school knowledge of the Bible. Um, kind mm. of that nominal um, Christian. So wow. we have a lot of reeducating or uh, catching up to do. So the Bible professors are like, wow especially the ones that have been doing That's it for 20 shocking. or 30 years yeah, change. But then my concern, shocking. even afterwards, when they launch from college, how many of them don't still don't have a foundation that then yeah. they carry into their adult life about love, about marriage, about the, right. the design of husband and wife for life of children are yep. a blessing, the family, yep. all of those structures yeah. that are well from said. scripture. Well said. Yeah. yeah, it's shocking. Uh, I'm I'm troubled. Yeah, uh, I, I guess I'm part of the problem. It was it was uh, our leadership that was missing, maybe. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's also it sounds like it's what's pivoted you into what you're doing now. You're yeah. moving into a different. You've moved into a different phase of kind of how you're doing ministry and influencing people. And same for me. That's what I I've been in ministry. Yeah. Let me Old time Let me tell you one more story, if I can. I mean, this was so uh, I became a Christian at the age of 21, went to the seminary at, at uh, 35. And um, I was a, so I was a Christian. I remember at 21 realizing that God, God, uh, God loved me because of Jesus. And I had been caught in adultery and all kind of things that I thought I would never do. And then to walk down the aisle of a Baptist church and to, and to accept this love of God, it was, it was life-changing. Yeah. But then at seminary, at the age of 35, I, I had to do counseling as part of the spiritual formation class. And I was sitting in this, in the chair of the spiritual formation professor and, and the Holy Spirit did something. And and what I recall, I don't remember what he said, but what I recall is 
all of a sudden feeling this amazing onslaught that God actually liked me. Yep. Big difference for me. I can't say that's true for everybody, but for me it was. And, and it was like dominoes. I could see relationship after relationship after relationship that I had uh, corrupted, that I had stalled, that I had run away from because I was afraid of not being liked. And all of a sudden I felt liked by God. Nice. Changed everything. It changed my preaching. It changed the way I looked at, bo- at wow. the Bible. Uh, all of those things. I mean, I was born again again so to speak. That's beautiful. Um, I love that. Uh, yeah. So I'm learning to, to explore. I'm shame prone uh, by, by nature. Mm-hmm. I could tell you why I've been to counseling for it. But what I'm realizing is that I can, by asking Ephesians 3 again, asking God to make me feel his love for me today, to make me feel that he has my back today, to make me feel that, that I'm lovable today. It actually makes a, a huge difference. Not every day, because I, I don't wake up in the morning feeling that I, I know I have it, my prefrontal cortex, but I don't wake up feeling it. But uh, the more I do, the better I am as a husband and father and and pastor and teacher. That's why that prayer that you have in the good enough parent course is very critical. Things like that, tools like that. That's what it's a tool that actually Mm -hmm. not magical. The magic of it is the gospel. Magic is Christ. What he did. I I love the, yeah, it's just magical. Yeah, in, in today's lingo. That's and exactly we, right. We bathe ourselves in those words. I learn to see myself different as a parent and become a good enough parent, which is beautiful. It, it makes a difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it makes a big difference. I mean, I, I think uh, I think many Christians. Uh, so when when I see uh, when I see data on on cultural loneliness. Relational mm-hmm. loneliness in the United States and Canada. Oh, and there's no distinction between whether or not you're a Christian. I mean, meaning we Christians are just as lonely as everybody else. Oh. I'm going to suggest something's wrong that we who have this Holy Spirit of God living in us. John Calvin wrote in his third book in the uh, in his institutes that the the secret workings he called it of the Holy Spirit is to make me feel today the favor and love of God. Well, if that's true, mm-hmm. and I think it is, um, I think we'd look differently. Yeah, I think I, I don't know. Well, that, well, that, Am I that wrong? Concerns me. Well, that concerns me about every Christian, like everywhere, myself included. I'm going. Yeah. How do I look different than the person that lives next right. door? When we're all just as in debt, just as stressed, right. just as overcommitted. So, like right. a few years ago, in the beginning of the, the crazy pandemic insanity. Mm-hmm. Um, I started seeing clients in their homes and what I was seeing was mm-hmm. these, this huge renewal of families that were having kind of forced back together. And those first Ooh. few weeks, it was actually beautiful. Husband's going, wow, my wife is a rock star. How does she handle these crazy kids? And really, I love oh, that's encouraging. It was great for a few weeks. Oh, and then it shifted. Then it started going, I'm so sick and tired of being around you so much. And I'm, t- <laughs> It started. I'm laughing, but I get it. Other stuff. And it's like, we've, it kind of disrupted. So what I actually expected was, okay, things got canceled. Our our calendars got emptied. I remember our calendar on the wall literally got froze March, 2020. And like months later, it was still on the same calendar because we weren't using it. Yeah, that's right. But it was like, I was hoping maybe we'll come back to this and we'll, reevaluate what we commit to and what we don't commit to. Uh, I like it. Well, because it would drug out so long, 
yeah. people came back and they overcommitted again and we're back to the same problem, if not worse. Yeah. And as we're seeing with the data with teenagers, it's way worse. I believe the pandemic started about a year or two ago when it comes to the crisis with our kids, young adults, mm. marriages. To me, we're we're in the beginning of the pandemic, as in our world needs strong marriages, strong yep. families, leaders in the family, moms and dads who step up to yeah, stop yeah. getting overcommitted and, and to really yeah. reassess priorities. And by the way, go back to church, get involved in a yep. Bible believing body of believers. You you can't do this at home, do this in community. Yep. We're, we're hoping that that, that, that happens fast, yeah. uh, but it looks like it's going to happen very slowly. Yes, it does. I'm with you. Well, and you're uh, doing well put, brother. good work with with this Thanks. your website uh gospel dash app dot gospel dash app dot com and That's then right. if you want to access go straight to the good enough parent um course good enough parent dot online we'll have links to that mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and access and then you said you mentioned you have a book and uh, a class on or course on number of books media. number of books wonderful my first book was uh on the song of songs and Ooh, uh, it's everything we've been talking about fun. i'm actually revisiting it that was 2010 so i'm actually rewriting it uh, next year as my project nice but it talks about the selfless love and um yeah it's it's nice. going to be a mind blower nice well it's so great talking with you bill and, and getting to know you a little Thank bit you. Um, love what you're doing and I, I hope people that are listening to this will actually be impacted and reach out and sign up for your courses and um, yes bless you thank you for coming on i can be reached at bill at gospel-app.com anytime love to get okay. the feedback and i do have a podcast gospel okay. rant for anybody who wants to, to uh, we're doing a, a wonderful advent series right now that we're nice. getting good good feedback on gospel sure. rant anywhere gospel you rant. get podcasts wonderful Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Bill. Talk to you soon. All right. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Family Features Podcast. It's been an honor to serve. If you're struggling and in need, Dr. Gilbert provides a free consultation for new clients. Check out his website at healinglives.com to book a call. If this has been helpful to you, please share it, leave a review, and help us get the word out so that we can see lives changed, marriages touched, and more people come into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. For more help and resources, check out Dr. Gilbert's website for books, courses, and more trainings at HealingLives.com. Bless you and your family and all God wants to do in and through you. Remember, your marriage and family are worth fighting for. This is Dr. Corey Gilbert. See you next time.